Welcome to your Right to Speak discussions on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 74, and you're listening to the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Mia, who facilitated two workshops in the community of Cambridge Bay, Nunavut. The first workshop focused on plankton in the Arctic and the important role it has on the food chain in the Arctic. The second was on marine mammals and the importance of them in the Arctic. The main focus of these two workshops was on climate change and how it's impacting both the animals and the community very quickly. I've been really looking forward to having this conversation with Mia because I don't know much about climate change. So I'm excited to learn about all of this. Mia, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you so much, Sal. Uh, yeah, my name is Mia Otopiak. I was born and raised here in Cambridge Bay, Nunavut. Um, I am 25 years old. I am a youth mentor in a program called ECAVIC, and I'll talk more about that, I'm sure, later on. ECAVIC is a program that wants to show Indigenous youth that they can be involved in science and research in a meaningful way. And the way I got involved in the Rising Youth Grant was I took part in the 2019 uh, Ocean Bridge program. And through that program was how I got to do my two workshops that I really enjoyed. And I also really loved the Ocean Bridge program. It was, it was amazing and, and taught me a lot. So yeah, thank you for having me. Well, welcome. I am so, so excited to learn from you today. We're just going to do what your right to speak fashion is and dive into the questions and we'll see where this journey takes us. All right. You kind of touched a little bit about it, but can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with the Rising Youth Grant and what your experience was with them? It actually all started back in October of 2018. I had heard about the Ocean Bridge program and 2018 was actually the first year that it started, but I actually hadn't heard of it until October, so later in the year. Uh, they do two trips, two excursions, one earlier in the year, one later in the year. So they had done one earlier in the year to Haida Gwaii, uh, and then they did the second one in October to Vancouver, and a few of the um, Ocean Bridge youth couldn't make the second trip. So what they did was just looked for more youth uh, who fit the, the category and asked if we wanted to go down to Vancouver. So I, I heard about it through Shelly Elverum. She is one of the people who started the Ecalvic program that I mentioned earlier. And she gave them my name. They reached out to me. And so I went on the, the October trip in 2018. Loved it. I, uh, the Ocean Bridge program is a year-long program. It is 40 youth from all over Canada, and they are working together on ocean issues and ocean uh, advocacy. So it, it was an amazing program, and I loved it. But because I went in the later year, only on the second trip, um, I wasn't considered a part of the 2018 program. So they told me I could actually apply for the 2019 program. So that's what I did. And I got accepted. So I did the whole year in 2019. It was amazing. We're like a whole big Ocean Bridge family now. And, and I love knowing that there's so many more youth in Canada who love, you know, fighting for the environment, fighting for the ocean and the importance. I had a mentor and she was the one who helped me work with Rising Youth to get the, the grant. I really loved my time with Rising Youth. They were very understanding. They helped me and they took the time to help me finish everything through. And 
I also just loved getting to, to do the two workshops that I did. So yeah, it, it was amazing. Because you've talked a lot a bit about the Ocean Bridge program. How could other people get involved with that? I believe they have Facebook pages. So Ocean Bridge is a part, I believe it's a part of Ocean Wise. So they used to be the Vancouver Aquarium. Now they moved to Ocean Wise. And you can Google Ocean Bridge. They have a bunch of new, before it was only, they didn't have groups. And so now they have it changed to a mentor for the Ottawa area. They have a mentor for the Ontario area. So it's split up and it's really nice. Um, So yeah, I think I'm pretty sure you can Google it. And it it was an amazing program. Year long, you get involved with 40 other youth. And it's all about ocean health, ocean advocacy, and, and working together to just create a healthier ocean. And I loved it so much. I'm definitely going to Google it. We know you created these two wonderful workshops. I was just wondering if you can tell the listeners how you came up with the idea um, and why you found it important to do these workshops on the ecosystems in Nunavut. For me personally, I know there's not a lot of information or, or a lot of education on, especially plankton. I didn't know very much about plankton. Uh, and, and the importance of it, because plankton, there was not a lot of education or information on plankton. I had gotten lucky when I was younger, I was super into the ocean. Uh, I remember being in grade five, finding out that only 5% of the ocean had been explored. And that just blew my mind. So uh, I remember being younger and wanting to be a marine biologist and always having a, a huge interest in the ocean. When I was thinking of marine life anyways, you know, a lot of people know about marine mammals, but not a lot of discussions about the importance of them and, and you know, why they're a huge reason that we survived for this long. And then for plankton, just knowing that a lot of people don't know much about them. So I wanted to just give more information and educate people on the importance because they really are. They're the bottom of the food chain, but they are so, so important. So I I really just wanted to to educate my community and work with my community, not just educate. So I I know a, a part of the question is why this style? It was a workshop, but more of a conversation piece because For me personally, growing up, I have had a lot of, you know, scientists and researchers come up here and have these types of open houses or workshops and say, here's what's important to you. And here's the information that I think is important to you. And here's what I'm going to research when really it should be the other way. It should be what information do you know, right? How can we work with you to, to work together and find out more information? So it wasn't me going in and saying, here's the information about the plankton and here's what I'm going to show you. It's here is some education about it, but also, do you know anything about it? It was more of a conversation and just being able to have an open discussion about it. And, and the same thing with the marine mammal discussion, right? Like I said earlier, it, of course, people know about marine mammals and that they are important, um, but just going into more detail about why they are, uh, you know, they're, they're, um, their life cycles and um, why it's important for us to be hunting them um, and because we survive off of them up here in the Arctic and and, and then going into the climate change issue, um, which I'm sure we'll go more into and and just how much climate change has affected their migration routes, their, their, um, yeah, their survival rates. Um, So yeah, I, I really wanted it to be 
um, both educational, but also a discussion piece. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. I had a, a good turnout at both of them and, and a lot of questions. So I really enjoyed it. I really love how you structured it to being that open-ended conversation because for me, the workshops that I've ever attended or any training I've ever attended, what I found always helpful was kind of having the facilitator learn from the participants and the participants learning from yeah. the facilitator. You know, it really brings that authentic piece of like mm -hmm. learning and experiencing together. Yeah, no, it's not just one higher person who is teaching everybody. It is, we're all human and we're learning from each other, right? I, I think that's really important. And it takes away the power balance. Exactly. The power from yep. like the facilitator, you know, and levels everyone out and we're all here and to I, learn I together. Think, I think that was a big thing for me. It's like rooted in my culture. You respect everyone around you, right? It, it doesn't matter if you're young. I mean, we definitely respect our elders a lot but it's not to say that we also don't respect everyone around us because a lot of them are either focused you know for youth workshops or you know adult workshops or and so i didn't want this to be specific to any age category i knew i wanted it to be open to the whole community and like yeah like you said i didn't want to be that one person at the front presenting to everybody and saying, here's all my knowledge and here's what you're gonna learn. Just learning from each other and having a discussion about it. I really, really enjoyed it. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the topics you discussed. So uh, really, so I can learn. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I want the listeners to learn, I am quite curious about all of this. So I'm very, uh, eager here. Plankton. What is plankton? Second, what makes it so important to the food chain in the Arctic? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not a huge scientist here. <laughs> so I know there are zooplankton and phytoplankton. And those are the two main, and they're the tiniest, you can almost not even see them with your eyes. And they're tiny little particles. And the reason they're so important is just so the way the food chain works, right? And zooplankton are the tiniest, smallest animals. And then you think of like shrimp or krill. They're the ones who eat the zooplankton. And then it just keeps going and going. And it gets all the way up to, to even us as humans. Because as Inuit here in, in the Canadian Arctic, we eat polar bears, we eat whales, we eat everything. And that goes all the way down to the to the zooplankton and the phytoplankton is they're the reason and because there's such a huge abundance of them in the ocean they're the reason that so much pretty much the reason that animals can live in the water and so that's why they're just so important to the to the ecosystem uh, of the ocean so and that's the thing i think that a lot of people just didn't know uh, and especially up here in the arctic too i thought that was really cool i remember learning about them and them just blowing my mind about how they're the, the very bottom of the food chain, but they're the most important, right? Like if you took zooplankton or any type of plankton away, the food chain would be screwed. So it, it, it's just really cool to find out and then just to educate other people about it too. That is just mind blowing. So basically they're a the cool, catalyst. Another, sorry, a cool fact that I knew, uh, I, I did a little CBC interview after I did these workshops and they wanted to learn a cool fact about plankton. And something that still blows my mind is when you go to the ocean and you 
smells, you get that ocean smell, you know, you know, it smells like the ocean that comes from plankton. That comes from the abundance of plankton that's in the water. So yeah, it's really, really cool. I know, like, so just a lot of just cool little facts about plankton, and they're just super important. (laughs) So when you smell the ocean, you're smelling the plankton. That is so interesting. That's so cool. I, you're just blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Super important, but just not talked about enough. And I knew that in my community as well. So that's why I really wanted to, to talk about it. You know, I, I don't know if I'm re- making the right analogy or link on like land. You know, there's often talks of like bees and how important bees are to the growth of plants, which then trickles all the way up. us eating stuff right so yeah Yeah. so the plankton's to me in my mind is like the bees of the ocean right like they're really the start of it all for sure that that is definitely a good analogy because yeah it's true they're the very start of it all and then it just it helps everything around them right it's not just the the bees and it's not just the honey It, it goes so much further than that and yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I was getting across with, with the plankton workshop. And it was like you, I was blowing a lot of people's minds, and, but also just having a discussion as well. So it was really, really cool. I enjoyed it. Let's talk a little bit about marine mammals. What role do they play in the ecosystem in the Arctic? And how are they adapting to the changes within the climate? I can't describe enough the, the role of marine mammals from tiny little fish to, to huge whales. There are a huge, here in Cambridge Bay where I'm from, um, where we don't get a lot of whales. We're not in the area that gets very many. But when we do, we just got some a, a few weeks ago, actually, we got some beluga whales and we got some narwhals. And then I know up further in the Baffin area, they, get some, they will get some killer whales, which is a new thing, which also goes into climate change. The, the waters are warming so much more that killer whales are making their way up. Anyway, so for, for thousands and thousands of years, literally time immemorial, Inuit have been surviving off of marine mammals and especially whales. I know there's a lot, especially down south, there's a lot of misinformation on the hunting, survival, and surviving off of whales. It's true. We, we have survived and we have lived off of the whales. It's always said, but we use every part of every animal that we catch. So, you know, we're, we're going to use the bones of the whale for either uh, crafts or for tools. And then the whale blubber, like the, the fat inside the whale is actually used for, they're called kuliks. Those are little, pretty much lanterns, but those were used to warm igloos back in the day. They were used to um, make the fires, to uh, make food. And, and so whales, especially marine mammals, are so important to, for survival. And, and there are a lot of families who are still using hunting like out on the land as their food source. It's definitely a huge, huge importance in our culture and traditions. The climate change, like I said, it's, there's an area that had never, ever gotten killer whales before, or orcas. And now they're just not just, you know, one or two pods. Every summer they're getting probably like six or seven pods now, which is just so crazy to us. 
And then the same thing with here in Cambridge Bay, we never ever got salmon. That was a thing, that was a fish that we never got here. But within the last few years, it has been warming up so much that salmon have been starting to swim up here to Cambridge Bay. And people are starting to catch them in their nets and, and when they go out fishing. And it's just super, super rare to see and, and crazy. So climate change is just, it's affecting a lot of different things for sure. But definitely the warming of the water is just, it's crazy how it's affecting all, all the marine mammals. My mind's just racing with so many questions. <laughs> um, first, more for clarification in my mind, the whale blubber, I remember doing a, an Indigenous training for work, and I remember them explaining what it was for. I just want to make sure if I'm visualizing and I'm making the right link in my mind. Is that, it's like a small thing on like a platter or something like that? Oil is used? Are you thinking... The whale blubber lighting up the fire, is that? Yeah. So like that cool, it, it is a little, does kind of look like a little platter. It's like an, a small half half a circle. And then there's a little divot on the inside of it. And that's where all the oil would go. And then you use a little bit of, it's called kivut. It's like the inside of, of muskox. It's like really fine fur. And you would put that on top of the oil and then coat the fur with oil so with all that whale blubber. And then that's when you would put it on fire. And that's when it would start a little line on the little kudlet. If you Google like images of igloos, like traditional igloos on the inside of it would be that little kudlet lit. And the only way it's used or the only way it's lit is through that whale blubber, the oil. And yeah. It's really cool. Okay. Yeah. I, you know what? They did a, so it was a <laughs> virtual training as everything is now with the world we live in, <laughs> but it was cool to see. Cause I remember them explaining that it was something that lasts for a long period of time too. And I don't know if oh, it was yeah. e- either traditionally or it's still happening, but someone has to like watch it. It's their responsibility to watch it. Especially like back in the day, you know, especially when you're in living on the land, living in igloos, when you're sleeping, you, you don't want to, you don't want something to happen. Uh, so there was always someone there to just make sure it was good, make sure it was always lit because if it would stop, then it would freeze, right? It, then it would get so cold in the igloo. So yeah, it, it was very cool. And, and here in my community, before any type of event happens, there's always a very well-known elder who likes the kulit that you, you start the ceremony, you start any type of event with the cute. My Nana, Eva, she's usually, she's the main one here in my community who, who always does that. And it's just, it's a beautiful little ceremony to happen. It, it's so nice to watch. It was cool to see. So we talked a little bit about how the climate change is impacting the uh, Inuit community. Um, I was just wondering if you can explain to the listeners a little bit more how it's impacting and what does it mean for the community? Oh, yeah. I mean, and like I said earlier, I I could talk about this for hours. There's so many different ways that climate change is affecting. I mean, even now, the weather right now is so crazy. We, I'm going to check right now, actually, what the temperature is. We're mid-October, and we should be usually, you know, if it wasn't this year, we should be with the wind chill like minus 25, maybe even minus 30 by now. Full ground of snow, 
we're right on the bay. I have a perfect view of the bay here. Uh, and usually the whole bay would be frozen by now. Right now I'm looking outside. It is minus one, which is blowing my mind. There is barely any snow. We only got snow like last week, which is so, so rare. And the entire bay is open. There's no, I mean, there's a tiny bit of ice starting. Uh, so just that is, is crazy to me. Like it, it's, the weather has not been like this in the time that I can remember. It, it's blowing my mind. And then other than that, there's things like the weather. So the opposite of this is a couple, for a few summers actually in a row, usually we would get like the highest the temperature got would be probably like 26. And that's like crazy hot for us. And it's also like, it would never last that the whole day type thing. It would only be 26 for a little bit and then um, cool down after that. Uh, and then I, I remember a few years back, there was, it was like four days in a row. It was like 27 degrees or 28 degrees. And that was nuts to us all. And then things that we wouldn't have thought about was because of all of that heat, it literally and thawed permafrost and and if you think or know what permafrost is it is literally frozen ground that has been frozen for thousands of years thousands and because it's been so cold up here right so it's just frozen ground and because of all this warming weather it is thawing permafrost and when that happens there are huge craters around use like trails to get out of town and you can only use like a quad, like an ATV to drive out of town. There are trails that have literally been ruined because the permafrost thawed and caused a huge crater in, in the earth, pretty much like a huge hole. It's right on the trail. There was one person who they got lucky that they didn't get hurt because they didn't know that the crack was there and it was right on the trail. And there was a quad, there was, a, there was an ATV that was right in the crack of it because they didn't see it and they fell into it they got out but but it's just it's crazy so the the warming of the weather has huge effects both in summer and in, even now it's supposed to be winter and funny enough we have the opposite of so you would think because winter's taking so long to get here that we had a super long summer we didn't this summer was the complete opposite. Like I, I was saying, usually we get to at least like 26, 27 once, at least once in the summer. This whole entire summer, we didn't even reach 20 degrees. It was just crazy. We didn't even have a summer. It was all wind. It was all rain. Probably had like three nice days of summer. And one of them was literally a couple of weeks ago in October. We had a nice summer day. So it's just the, the climate is just so unpredictable. It's becoming dangerous for sure. So uh, like another thing is the ice usually freezes before climate change was very crazy. There was always this one elder when the ice would freeze who would go on the ice to go in with a, with a big long stick and go and see the thickness of the ice and see how they get caught. And they would go and poke at the ice uh, even when it was super thin, so it was, it was really scary. But then, but there came a year, and now the elder hasn't even done it anymore because it's so unpredictable. The ice freezes at such a weird time, and it's so dangerous that the elder can't even go out and do that anymore. Climate change is very crazy, and I'll tell 
one more little thing here before I, the thing for us is we, in our culture, we respect and value our elders a lot. Their knowledge is something that is so important. We call it IQ and it's Inuit Kalimayatukani. And it's just the values, the societal values of, of Inuit. And it's, there are technically eight Inuit values, uh, IQ values, but it's just respecting each other is, is the biggest thing. IQ, it's not, it hasn't been written since only a few years ago, even like 10 years ago. And so it's always been passed down orally. And all of this knowledge is so important. And one of the biggest pieces that elders, you know, they used to be so confident and they would be, they used to be able to say, you know, on October 21st, the ice is going to be uh, thick enough for you to walk on. And, you know, on, on, you know, May 22nd, the ice is going to start to break up. So don't go on the ice anymore because that's when it's going to all start to break up and here's when it's going to start to freeze. And now we can't even follow that traditional knowledge because now the weather is so unpredictable. It's sad, really. This knowledge that has been passed down for so many years and is so important is just not being able to be followed anymore because of climate change. It's crazy. Are there any types of ceremonies or anything like that that has been impacted because of the climate change? No, luckily, like off the top of my head, like ceremonies that I think of all like happen inside. We have a really nice community hall, so that's luckily not been too impacted, which I'm happy about. Yeah, that's good. I was also thinking about food security. In my mind, like I, and I could be 100% wrong on this, but I envision like when the bay, let's say, is frozen, it's easier to travel across, let's say, or, you know, to get food into the community. Like I'm thinking that's kind of been suffering a lot. Huge impact. Yeah, for sure. We've been able, we're usually able to travel so much farther in the winter. Uh, at the start of winter anyways, you know, when the, when the ice should be frozen, we should, we can get a lot farther out to get caribou or to get other, other animals and, and to have this, this impacted so much that you can't even, you know, be safe and know when to go out. Yeah, for sure. That's a shame. And, and I mean, like, and a lot of people don't, re- like, it blew my mind a little bit that you didn't really know much about, about climate change. Because to me, I'm seeing it with my own eyes within just within these last few years. So it's really, really crazy for sure. Well, you're living through it. I think down yeah. in, in the South, it's like we see climate change, but we see it in, I think, a little bit of a different way. Like, oh, yeah. if it's not and, snowing and no, in December, sure. we're happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think more on a broader perspective, although we're not happy it's not snowing in December, you know, here in Toronto, (laughs) I think, you know, there's larger impacts to that, you know, and if if it's not getting cold here, it's not getting cold in your community, which is having a further and more severe impact, you know, Mm -hmm. um, than it does here in Toronto, right? So I, I think yeah. it's important for people to also, you know, realize that maybe at a small level, it's not going to impact us individually, but there's other communities, yeah. you know. Climate change is a world world issue. And, and I think 
that that's a thing that a lot of people don't realize. It, it might be happening a lot faster up here, but it's also a butterfly effect. It, it will definitely come down and, and affect the, the Southern educating yourself. It's, it's hard to really physically do an action to stop climate change because it's, it's climate change is an ongoing and a huge rapid thing. But I think the biggest way to help is just to educate yourself is to to learn more and to realize that it's not not happening to you right it's, it's a huge issue all over the world but just more so at a rapid pace here in, in the canadian arctic so being able to to educate yourself and and learn about how or how quickly it's happening is, is a huge step in in the right direction do you think the world leaders or, I mean, we can even bring it down to, you know, Canada's prime minister should be doing more policies to kind of protect the environment? And definitely in the world leaders as well. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, in my mind, it's just, it, it blows my mind that not enough politicians realize how rapid climate change is affecting us up here and how we could be starting. I don't, I don't know exactly off the top of my head how we could be starting, but we could be thinking even that, even brainstorming is, is starting, right? So I think, yeah, for sure, a lot of higher up people need to realize that it's, it's coming very quickly and that we do need to talk more about it and, and work together. So yeah, I, I do for sure. I think one of the issues with the world leaders, and we'll bring it back down to, you know, Canada's leadership is you're living in it, you know, and they're living out in Ottawa and, you know, climate change may be happening, but it's not as severe as it would be or rapidly Mm -hmm. as it's happening in your community. So I think, you know, it's, I think they need to wake up a little bit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, open their eyes, even just a little. I do have one last question for you, and it's become the show's trademark question. What does advocacy mean to you? I guess just advocacy in general is just having the right mindset and having the motivation and the dedication to want a better world. For me, ocean advocacy is huge. I I want to work with others and, and make them realize that the ocean is so important to us just like the environment, right? And it's funny, I was just about to say the trees, but we don't have any up here in Nunavut. <laughs> but they are, right? It's just realizing and working with others to make them make them realize the importance of it is just, it's all about your mindset and, and all about what you want to see in the world and, and how you want to go about that. Before we end off, is there anything else you would want the listeners to know? But I'm just really glad you guys reached out to me. Thank you so much. I love, and I'm sure you guys can tell, love talking, but also just love educating people. I love passing on my knowledge. I love learning from other people. So I think this is really awesome. And I really appreciate you guys reaching out. I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you for being on the show. I am so grateful to have had you on the show because I've learned a lot and it definitely will make me start to think a little bit more about climate change now. Mm -hmm. It's definitely changed my perspective. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Rising Youth Podcast. For more information about our program, we provide or start your own project, please visit risingyouth.ca. Let's raise awareness together. Thank you.